It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, my name is Rick Cole and I'd like to welcome you to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. This is our 100th episode uh, and those of you who've been around and following us from the beginning know I don't like a lot of pomp and circumstance and that kind of thing but I do like to recognize certain milestones and this is a big one for us. Uh, When we started bringing you these weekly trips down memory lane back in hockey time, we thought, well, we'll try it for a few weeks and see what happens. I really didn't think that the thing would uh, be as successful as it has been. Uh, We thought, well, we'd give it a try, see if there was an audience. There seemed to be. And the response has really been quite gratifying. So here we are, a hundredth episode of our weekly free podcast. And we're looking to do another 100. This week, we're looking at uh, September 20th to 26, 1971, as NHL training camps are in uh, full full speed ahead mode. And we're going to give you a lot of news this week. There's a lot going on, and uh, we might as well get to that right now. So at this point, 1971... Uh, The big news of the week was the absence of goalie Bernie Perrant from the Maple Leafs training site as he was arguing with management that he was due a contract renegotiation accompanied by, of course, a very substantial raise. This was the thing that went on all week last week and uh, it was resolved by the end of the week, but really was it? Or was it something else? Was there more going on in the background? There were little clues. Our Patreon subscribers got the full story in great detail. And we're going to have more of this kind of stuff as the season goes on. Special episodes for Patreon subscribers where we can actually get uh, into the nitty gritty of some of the issues that were going on at this time. The World Hockey Association will be one of those. This week, it it started off with uh, uh, more players who have been traded. There was a bit of sniping by a couple of former Red Wings, and the sniping was aimed at, of course, the Red Wings. Sid Abel and Gary Unger, long gone from the Detroit hockey scene, but for them, they had bitter memories that were continuing 
to linger on. And Howard Erickson of the Detroit Free Press got uh, a story out on that. Abel, now coach of the St. Louis Blues and Unger, his flop-haired young star, were letting off sparks as they awaited the first exhibition game against the Red Wings in Port Huron, Michigan. For his part, said Abel was predicting that there would be a few blows struck in the game, reminding everyone of their new alliances. The Wings have five former St. Louis Blues in their training camp, and the Blues, in return, have four former Wings at the IMA Auditorium, where the teams meet for the second time Sunday night. That, by the way, is in Flint, Michigan. Why the Blues pick Flint, Michigan, I, I have not yet been able to figure out. Abel said, I can say I can wish them, the Detroit players, well, but I have no reason to say that Ned Harkness is one of my hockey friends, and why would he be? It was a showdown between Abel, then the Wings general manager, and Harkness, the club's coach, which led to the end of Abel's 30-year association with the Detroit franchise last winter. Abel said, I won't change my mind on him as a coach or as a general manager. How many games did he coach after I left? About one or two. Bruce Norris, who's the Red Wings owner, by the way, knew Harkness wasn't a coach, so he made him general manager. Makes sense, doesn't it? Gary Unger, an early target of Harkness' discipline last year, prompted Abel to take another slap at his Detroit successor. Gary Unger doesn't play with his hair, said Abel. He plays with his hands and his legs. I don't care how long his hair is as long as he can play the game. Last year, after cutting his hair at Harkness' request, Unger was traded to the Blues. To this day, no one from the Red Wings has told me I've been traded, Unger told Erickson very bitterly. Gary said a newspaper called him and told him when it happened, and he just packed his things and left for St. Louis. Unger contends that almost every trade made by Harkness has been the result of a personality conflict. You take any of the players Detroit has traded in the last year, and it's because Harkness couldn't get along with the guy, or that player didn't do exactly what Harkness wanted, is what Unger told Howard Erickson. Besides Abel and Unger, the Brews have three other players who once worked for the Detroit Wings. They would be Carl Brewer, Wayne Connolly, and Jimmy Shires. Among the Red Wings, uh, who are former bitter, or former Blues, are Red Berenson, Timmy Ecclestone, Ab McDonald, Bob Wall, and Mike Lowe, who really never got to play for the Blues. So two of the Blues' uh, most critical members, the, the coach, Abel, and Unger, who is their big star, really taking shots at the Red Wings. And you're going to find a lot of people will not be happy about Ned Harkness. A lot of people in Detroit are afraid to say anything because Harkness and Jim Bishop, the lacrosse guy, who now is basically the head honcho of the Red Wings, they have owner Bruce Norris's ear, and no one wants to cross either of those guys for fear they'll be playing in some outpost and never get back to the NHL. Some quick hits from uh, training camps this week. One of the bright lights in the early going for the Maple Leafs is Michigan Tech grad John Grisdale. He's a defenseman 
And uh, he's probably in tough to make the Leafs out of training camp due to they have depth on the blue line, one of the few places the team really has good good depth. Goaltending is another now that Piranha's under contract. Most observers feel that Grisdale, if he were a forward, would be a cinch to make the club, but he's still putting in some good work, and he'll probably be at Tulsa to start this season. The Penguins, in their first exhibition match, got two goals from Bobby Leiter. Bobby's been a mostly minor league player since the early 60s. He's uh, had some time in the NHL with the Bruins during the 1960s. He just never could make it to the big league in the 16 NHL. He was one of those bubble players, always on the bubble, ready for a call-up, but just not quite good enough to make the varsity team. Well... He's been playing really well with the Pens in this training camp, and I would look for him to make the Pittsburgh Penguins under GM coach Red Kelly this year. One of the very great all-time American Hockey League players is Willie Marshall, who in 1971 needs just two goals and seven games played to set league records for both of those totals. Problem for Willie is this week, He was released by the Baltimore Clippers and was uh, now looking for a team to hook up with to continue his hockey career. The Rochester Americans were cited as one of the list uh, teams interested in Willie, but as the week ended, they still hadn't offered him a tryout, but I think it would be a good PR move. I I met Willie Marshall at a Blue Jays game back at Exhibition Stadium in the early days of the Blue Jays franchise. He was wearing a worn out leather Hershey Bears hockey jacket on a cool spring uh, evening. He didn't seem to have a seat. He was just kind of wandering around. But I recognized him, stopped and, and told him how much I had enjoyed his playing career. And I'd seen him play a lot in the American League when I'd gone to Buffalo Bison's game. He was very gracious to me. He looked like he was a bit down on his luck in those days. But he still had time to talk to a hockey fan that uh, recognized him. Metacore of Minneapolis, Minnesota, the owners of the Vancouver Canucks made their interest payment of more than $142,000 to Herb Capazzi. He's the Vancouver sportsman who loaned that company $3.5 million to cover a delinquent debt. And Metacore making the payment lives on for now, but what we don't know about this payment is where Metacore actually got this $142,000 interest payment. Somebody bankrolled it, and we're trying to find out who that might have been. Clarence Tubby Schmaltz, who is the president of the Ontario Hockey Association, said on Sunday morning that he was going to investigate a 25-minute brawl that took place between the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers in an OHA Junior A Series exhibition game on Saturday. London won the game 4-2 before a crowd of over 4,000 mostly kids. Referee Dave Whitmer handed out a total of 60 minutes, which ended up being 376 minutes in penalties, including one minor, 12 majors for fighting, and leaving the player bench 13 misconducts and 10 game misconducts. We'll see how long it takes Tubby 
to get to the bottom of this mess. The only British Columbia-born player on the Vancouver Canucks forward Garth Rizzuto has walked out of training camp saying that he didn't believe he was given a fair shot at making the team so far this year, and it was very early in camp at this point. He was believed to have returned to his home in trail. The Canucks GM, Bud Poyle, was leaving the next move up to Rizzuto. He did say that Rizzuto was being put on waivers and that... uh, Poyle said he wasn't overly concerned if Garth was claimed by another NHL team. If he should clear waivers, and that was expected, Rizzuto would then be assigned to the American Hockey League Rochester Americans. The Canucks, by the way, have been very impressed by the work of young goalie Dunk Wilson, the former Flyers prospect, and it looks like Dunk could be the number one guy between the pipes for the Canucks this season. One reason, George Gardner, who kind of looked to be the number one guy this year, with Charlie Hodge sort of saying he's going to retire, but he's still out in BC looking around. Gardner just hasn't had it in training camp so far. Blackhawks made seven cuts right away on Monday of this week, sent to their Dallas Blackhawks camp. Dallas is in the Central Hockey League. They were defensemen Len Frigg and Mike Baumgartner, forwards Jean-Paul Bordelot, Ron Pepler, Clyde Simon, Dave Crisco, and Danny Spring. This little tidbit can't be good news for the Seals. Jim Proudfoot of the Star was reporting that Jerry Desjardins, the goalie whom Oakland got from the Blackhawks in that big trade that sent Gary Smith to Chicago, he has not worked out at all at training camp in Oshawa. Now remember last week, we told you that Desjardins was out of the lineup because he had a busted finger. Proudfoot says that Desjardins hasn't even worked out on the ice with the seals and the reason is that uh the goalie's left arm was broken last march while he was with chicago has not healed properly so now the seals are in the embarrassing position of having only one goaler who has any professional experience and that's gary kurt the AHL top goalie award winner last year in the American Hockey League. The Seals drafted him from Cleveland, and if they haven't drafted him, they would have nobody with any pro experience, and we really don't know what the heck they're going to do from here. But it turned out later in the week, the Seals would formally take make a move on this situation. A little more news from the Seals. They made their first three cuts, and they were forwards Peter Laframbois and Randy Rhoda and defenseman Neil Nicholson, and they were sent to American Hockey League uh, Providence, and that cuts the number of Seals players in camp to 32. Tom Fitzgerald of the Boston Globe says that Tom Johnson, coach of the Bruins, says the only player in the Boston training camp who has been better than young defenseman Ricky Smith is another defenseman, Bobby Orr. That's pretty high praise for a young rear guard, but Smith apparently has recognized a chance to make the Bruins as a full-time defenseman this year, and he is seizing the opportunity. The Minnesota North Stars made some uh, early cuts, and some of them 
raised a lot of eyebrows around the NHL. Uh, defenseman Ron Wilson and Wayne Malloyne and center Terry Caffrey were sent to the North Stars B squad, which is made up mainly of players who are slated to play for the American Hockey League Cleveland Barons this season. Two other players were demoted to the B squad as well. Center Dennis Hextall and right winger Buster Harvey, both of whom had been counted on heavily to be integral parts of the North Stars offense this season. But they have been just a little lackadaisical in camp, according to Coach Jackie Gordon and GM Ren the Bird Blair. So Blair decided to light a little bit of a fire under the butts of Mr. Hextall and Harvey. And he said, you guys can work out with the AHL boys and maybe we'll bring you back if you show that you really care. This won't be permanent for Hextall and Harvey. No way, they are too important. But they're going to have to work out with the minor leaguers and show that they're willing to pay the price, something they weren't uh, willing to do in the early days of the training camp. We said the Seals would do something later in the week. It only took until Wednesday. There was no more talk of the uh, busted digit that Jerry Desjardins supposedly suffered. It wasn't a finger on his left hand that was bothering him. It was the whole left arm. And the Seals were now, by Wednesday, in full cry foul mode. The Seals are insisting they have been robbed. And National Hockey League President Clarence Campbell says that he's actually going to look into the matter. Now, a few weeks ago, if you remember, California traded Gary Smith. And the Blackhawks sent the Seals, Jerry Desjardins, Jerry Pinder, and a minor league player called Kerry Bond. Now the Seals say Desjardins is not physically fit to play. Now, you know the story. Jerry Desjardins broke an arm horribly last season, and the Seals claim the injury hasn't healed properly. Desjardins apparently failed to pass a medical examination at the Seals training camp. You gotta wonder in this case... uh, The Seals have a rookie general manager, Gary Young, who seems to be all talk and a lot of action, but we don't know if this action is actually uh, good action or bad action for the Seals. You would think a general manager trading for a guy whom he figured to be his number one goalie would do his due diligence and find out if the broken arm had in fact healed. Those of us who saw the uh, tapes of Desjardins being injured and saw how badly he was hurt and read the reports over the summer would certainly have been concerned about Jerry's condition going into training camp. But Young just made the deal based on Desjardins' very, very strong reputation as a National Hockey League tender and he made the deal and then finds out when they do the physicals that Desjardins isn't even ready to play simply because of that bad arm. This looks like a a bad piece of work by a rookie general manager, and now they're going to ask Clarence Campbell to fix it for them. We'll see what Clarence Campbell does on this. Something we do know about it, the Canucks offered a trade to trade a goalie and another player to the Seals in exchange for a forward, and the forward that the Canucks are apparently after is a a fellow by the name of Jerry Pinder. Now, the Canucks were wondering if they'd be able to do this with the help of Clarence Campbell or if it would even intervene at all. Campbell told the uh, 
Vancouver Sun, that it depends on the terms of the deal, whatever that means. Campbell said if it's just a routine deal without any warranties, then it's buyer beware. In other words, what Campbell is saying, Gary Young would have to do his due diligence unless the Hawks had uh, taken Desjardins' injury into account, which does not appear to be the case. Campbell said, so far, the terms of this trade have not been established, and until they are, I don't even know whether I have any jurisdiction in the matter. If California was afforded a full opportunity to determine the player's physical condition, they can't complain if they didn't do it. All I can say, says Campbell, at the moment, is I'm looking into their complaint. The Canucks, by the way, signed goalie Bruce Bullock to a two-year contract on Wednesday of this week. Bruce had been an All-American goalkeeper at Clarkson University last year, and general manager Bud Poyle, worried about the aforementioned poor play of goalie George Gardner, let it be known that he was considering bringing in Bullock from the Rochester Americans training camp to the Canucks site in Alberta to challenge for the second goaltending spot. This is obviously a ploy to light a fire under Gardner's ass. Bud isn't fooling anybody with this, least of all George Gardner. Bud often claimed or thought that he was playing 3D chess with the way he would uh, spout off about his great knowledge of hockey. But really, at this level, it's barely checkers. And eventually, uh, we think ownership is going to start to pay a little more attention to what's going on out in Vancouver. Remember, they're all over in Minneapolis running a big American company. Management are probably going to see through Poyles Act just as they did in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Flyers had a big game in Ottawa where they're training on Tuesday night, and the Buffalo Sabres did not. The Flyers blasted Buffalo by a 9-1 score, and you know who the big scorer was for Philadelphia, firing four goals? The aging veteran Jean-Guy Gendron. Four goals in an exhibition game. He's looking forward to this year. The lone Buffalo marker was by young forward Rick Martin, and he's been scoring with great regularity in the Buffalo training camp, and he looks like he could be a second consecutive Calder Trophy winner for the Sabres. Remember earlier I told you about Tubby Schmaltz making that investigation in the brawl? Took him three days. That's all. And here's what he had, what happened after his investigation. The president of the OHA levied fines totaling $475 and one game suspensions to the coaches of both the London Knights and Kitchener Rangers. Of course, the coach of the London Knights is a former uh, Port Colburn resident, Bronco Horvath, and former NHL player Ron Murphy, coaches Kitchener, they were fined $50 each, and they were suspended from the team's October 8th game at Kitchener. So the two coaches won't face each other, but all the players were, and who actually was doing the fighting during that game? Among the most severely penalized players, defenseman Dave Hutchison of London, Tom Cassidy of Kitchener, each were nicked for $25, and Hutchison is going to pay an additional $50 for a game misconduct penalty during a game the next day in Chatham. 35 other players were fined 
$10 each. The only players in the entire match who were not fined were the goalies Dennis Thorpe of London and Jim Brown of Kitchener. Schmaltz, who announced the punishments this week, also criticized arena manager Doug Pratt and Kitchener manager Punch Scherer for going on the ice to break up the fight. Uh, Schmaltz said that it may well be that they got things cooled down, but what fan in London would recognize Punch Scherer? What fan anywhere would recognize him? It could very easily, says Schmaltz, have started a wave of fans over the boards. The entire incident would have become quite nasty. The great veteran Claude Provo has been trying out for the Los Angeles Kings this fall after they acquired his rights from the Montreal Canadiens for a dollar this summer. Yeah, you know, I even have a photo of Claude, one of the best defensive forwards in the history of hockey, in uniform for the Kings in an exhibition game against Vancouver. And if you follow us on Twitter, you saw that picture this week. Claude this week after that picture was taken, decided to call it quits. He said the mind was willing, the, the body was just unable to respond after not playing pro hockey in the past 12 months. Claude says he's likely going to go back to Quebec and coach a junior team. And good for Claude Provo, one of the game's good guys. Week two of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings on Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings has given new customers $150 instantly when they bet a dollar on any football game. That's any NFL game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and place a bet of $1 on any week on any NFL game and receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings has given all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any National Football League game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager are required. One per customer. And some restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for all the details. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And please don't forget our other sponsors, newspapers.com, the world's largest online newspaper archive, without whose help we couldn't put all this together, and the Breakwell Brewing Company in beautiful downtown Port Coburn, Ontario, some of the best craft beer in southern Ontario. If you ever get to uh, Port Coburn, look me up, 
We'll have a beer and a burger at the break wall. Back to the hockey news, a little bit of good news this week. At least I thought it was a nice story. Former National Hockey League star Camille Henry has been named the Director of Recreation for the small Quebec town of Villeneuve, which is not far from Quebec City. Mark Howe, the 16-year-old son of Gordy, who plays for the Detroit Red Wings of the Southern Ontario Junior Hockey League, Mark's a left winger, he is going to undergo knee surgery this week to remove some torn cartilage. He's going to be out for about, they say, five to six weeks, but he is expected to make a full recovery. You know, Mark's brother Marty is with the Toronto Marlboros of the OHA Junior A Series, and it is expected that Mark could join him next year. The Flyers got some unexpected news this week. This came right out of the blue. Defenseman Joe Watson, the second player picked by Philly in the 1967 expansion draft, was scheduled to leave the Flyers' training camp in Ottawa and fly back to his home in British Columbia for what general manager Keith Allen of Flyers hopes is just a visit. The reason for Watson's sudden departure in mid-training camp is his decision to consider retiring from the game. Joe said, I just lost interest in the game. He says if you feel that way, there's really no sense in sticking around. Alan said, we talked, uh, Joe and I, several times yesterday, and I feel that he's going to be back after he goes home, and he talks it over with his wife. Alan said that Watson has been quite rational about the whole thing. He's not mad at the organization or any of the players. He's just lost his enthusiasm. Alan said he asked Joe if he needed to change his scenery, if he wanted to be traded. And Joe said, no, that's not it. He just wasn't engaged. Uh, Joe's condition wasn't the greatest either when he uh, when he reported to camp. Now, it's uh, thought that some of his best friends on the team, Ed Van Imp, Andre Lacroix, uh, talked to Joe, as did Bobby Orr of the Bruins. Now, Orr was the best man at Watson's wedding, and uh, he's great friends with Joe, and he's trying to keep Joe from quitting. We'll see how that turns out. Still with the Flyers, they got a big game on Wednesday night from the young goalkeeper Don McLeod, whom they acquired in the uh, draft this summer from the Detroit organization. Well, Don McLeod's played the entire game against the Seals Wednesday. He made 43 saves in a 4-1 to Philadelphia victory over the Golden Ones from Oakland. That's a big game for young Mr. McLeod, who's challenging Bruce Gamble for the backup job with the Flyers to incumbent Doug Favell. Well, this fall, okay, long hair and mustaches seem to be in vogue for National Hockey League players in this September. A lot of coaches don't like it. Some coaches are okay with it. But it looks like Derek Sanderson of the Bruins is just going to push this envelope a little bit farther. Will it be too far? It now appears that the Turk has started to grow a beard. Sandy says he told Tom Fitzgerald of the, of the uh, Boston Globe, I haven't shaved for about four days, displaying the unmistakable evidence that he was telling the truth. I thought I might give it a try and see how it looks. We'll see how Tom Johnson likes this. 
You will remember that a few weeks back we had a story about Jim Mahan, the fine young Peterborough Junior A player who was tragically electrocuted at a relative's home. The Ontario Hockey Association is paying tribute to Jim, who was considered a really good National Hockey League prospect prospect. The highest scoring right winger in OHA Junior A series this past season or this coming season will win the Jim Mahan Memorial Trophy, a new award for annual competition. The players, coach, and executive of the 7071 Peterborough Peets donated the award in memory of Mahan, a 19-year-old right winger who, as we mentioned, passed away on a farm near Windsor, Ontario last spring. He played two seasons with Peterborough. The first player to sign a contract with the Cincinnati Swords, the new team in the American Hockey League, is a tall, lanky forward by the name of Doug Rombo, who scored 58 points on 22 goals, 38 assists last year for the International Hockey League's Flint team. General Manager Joe Crozier said, I like his size, I like I like uh, to work with these kids because they listen to what you say. This kid will be hard to push around in front of the net. And Rombo dis- displayed his scoring touch in this, the uh, Cincinnati's first exhibition game by scoring two goals. Looks like uh, Dougie might be a good one. He's a native, by the way, of Fort Erie, Ontario. Friday brought some very bad news to the Vancouver Canucks. Gary Doak, expected to be their number one defenseman and leader of the rear guards, suffered a broken bone in a foot, and he's going to be lost to the team for up to five weeks. General Manager Poyle had been hoping to trade a defenseman, the one area that this team seems to have some depth, and he was hoping to get a rear guard off to somebody else in exchange for some much-needed scoring help, and I think he's going to have to put those plans on hold. A little bit of other injury news this week. Toronto lost right winger Guy Trache for six weeks with a torn ligament in his left knee and that's a tough break for the most. You gotta wonder if the uh, National Hockey League's having second thoughts about this new rule they put in that decrees that a third player entering a fight uh, will uh, be ejected from the game. Uh, That rule came under some scrutiny this week because it caught some big names and caused them to leave games much earlier than they normally would have. Both Bobby Orr and Frank Mahovlich were banished from exhibition games after being involved in practices that were already underway. The National Hockey League isn't going to want its big stars missing from the bulk of many games, especially for something like this. General managers are starting to make some noise to the president, Campbell, that they are worried that this rule may cause some fan discontent. Translated into English, that means they may worry that this is going to cut down on fightings and the rubes in the U.S. small towns that flock to the big cities to watch hockey are going to want to see their wrestling on the ice. Both major Pittsburgh newspapers had stories this week on the Penguins' prize acquisition of the offseason, defenseman Tim Horton, who of course is a certain Hockey Hall of Famer. Tim signed the biggest hockey contract in Pittsburgh's history a couple weeks ago, and of course it was given to him by his old friend and teammate, Red Kelly, now the Penn's GM coach. That was for 
$100,000 a season. Unofficially, of course, they never did officially announce the uh, the amount. Both of these stories, uh, good-sized stories in these papers, gave a lot of background on Tim's long career, his burgeoning donut business back in southern Ontario, and, of course, the questions that had to be asked, how long is Tim Horton going to choose to play for Pittsburgh? No one was answering that question, but Red Kelly who knows Tim better than most, says Tim is all in with the Penguins and he explains why he brought Tim to Pittsburgh. Red says you have to do what's in your heart. Maybe his head told him to retire, but Tim's heart wanted him to play and Kelly should know all about Horton. Red says that they used to sit behind each other on the Toronto bench and they used to sleep next to each other in the dressing room between periods when Imlac was given his pep talks. Tim, uh, Red says, of course, we were older guys. We had to rest up for the next period with a wink. Red says that Tim can mean so much to a team. He can play with the young guys. He can take a guy out with authority. He makes a big play at the blue line when you most need it. And the kids are going to learn a lot from Tim Horton. And that's why he's in Pittsburgh. Former National Hockey League star Tommy Cowboy Anderson passed away this week in Sylvan Lake, Alberta. He was 61. Tommy won the Hart Memorial Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player in the 1941-42 season. Uh, he was born Thomas Linton Anderson in Edinburgh, Scotland on July 9, 1910. He came to Calgary with his parents two years later and he started his rise to the NHL stardom in 1928 with the Drumheller Miners of the old Southern Alberta Hockey League. The following year, he turned pro with the Philadelphia Arrows and one year later was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. After a brief stint with the Wings, he joined the New York Americans and was immediately united with Red Deer's Eddie Wiseman and former NHL scoring king Nell Stewart on one of the most potent scoring lines in the league. Anderson's greatest years in the NHL, however, followed some years later after he converted to a defenseman. Tommy Anderson, Cowboy Anderson, passed away at 61. A little bit of news out of the New York Rangers training camp this week. The biggest bust of this training camp for Mill Francis, a guy who was thought was going to come in. He was a, a early draft pick for the Rangers. Defenseman Steve Durbano, who uh, launched quite a, a huge reputation as a thick-headed, unthinking bully in the OHA Junior A Series. While some people thought he was going to be a great NHL defenseman, he's proven to be nothing more than a bit of a cement head in the Rangers camp. He's taken terrible, stupid penalties in scrimmages and exhibition games. And Francis says he's going to be playing in Omaha. He's not anywhere close to playing in the NHL. Tim Moriarty of Newsday also reported that Francis plans to open the Rangers season with five defensemen and 12 forwards. The fifth defenseman slot appears to be going to young Ab DeMarco Jr. He looks like he's beating out Andre DuPont for the job of the swingman on the rearguard corps. And the arrival of rookie Pierre Jerry looks like it's going to cost veteran Ron Stewart his job as the Rangers' jack-of-all-trades. Now, 
Moriarty reports that Francis apparently has feelers out around the league on Stewart, who's 39 years old and a 19-year veteran of the National Hockey League. There have been no takers yet, according to Moriarty, but Ron could, it is speculated, wind up with an expansion club in need of an experienced penalty killer. That's just about everybody, but one team in particular, has really been complaining about their uh, penalty killing since their inception in the league. And that team is the Vancouver Canucks. And of course, their general manager, Bud Poyle, likes to pick up useful veterans. And Ron Stewart, I think, would be a useful veteran. A fairly... uh, significant story this week had to be the developments surrounding that proposed new major professional hockey league to rival the NHL, the so-called World Hockey Association. Now, we read a lot of stories about it this week, and in fact, in many of the stories in cities where this league is supposed to be playing, they're calling it the World Hockey League, at least some of the writers are, but these are guys who basically aren't, aren't really paying attention. Well, this week, they held their first organizational meeting, according to Stan Fischler, who wrote a, a special story to the Toronto Star. Now, you got to understand, this is the first organizational meeting that they've let anybody know was taking place. This was nothing more than a, a publicity stunt. These guys have been meeting for the past few months, and there are some definite plans in place already, but this week the meeting was held. Well, Stan made one of his special to the star uh, articles. He likes to get paid, so he sends these out. The star pays him for them. God knows why. But he wanted to let everyone know the meeting was on. And uh, we're going to give you that story here. And we're not doing this to point out that Stan has some facts wrong. That's not the point to this. Just note what he says about this, because he did have some uh, some inkling on what was going on, Stan did there. He, he gives a... Uh, uh, slightly advanced notice that he got from somebody that this was going on to somebody was probably Gary Davidson, who probably called him Davidson, of course, known as the father of the WHA, along with Dennis Murphy. What we're doing here is to let you know that the World Hockey Association was, in fact, moving along and making progress. And uh, we're going to give you uh, actually give our Patreon subscribers very detailed reports, as we mentioned earlier, on the WHA's progress. And we're going to have a lot of content that most of us had not seen previously, or at least we'd totally forgotten about it. And we got it from some very unlikely sources of hockey news. To get at, to access this, go to patreon.com slash hockey50years. That's where you're going to be able to get all this uh, detail on the WHA. Here's the Stan Fischler article. Stan writes that the World Hockey Association, a proposed rival to the NHL, will hold its first organizational meeting this week in Los Angeles and plans to ice a minimum of eight teams for the 1972-73 season. The league president, Gary Davidson, said that there will definitely be one Canadian city in the league, and the likelihood is that there will be more than one Canadian city. Davidson revealed that the opening conference will deal with such subjects as bylaws, contracts, pension plans, and the antitrust situation as it regards to the NHL. 
We already, said Davidson, have been told that the NHL might have an invited representative here. Davidson said he wouldn't be surprised if that happened, that the NHL sent somebody to the meeting, but the league would be running, the NHL that is, would be running a serious risk if it does, according to Davidson. He says, if the NHL does in fact screen us, I have been in touch with the U.S. Justice Department and have been asked by that bureau to notify it if the NHL pulls any restrictive practices. Fischler says that it's been learned that several NHL officials held an hour-long discussion of the World Hockey Association at a meeting last week and concluded that the NHL would not attempt to block the World Hockey Association. One NHL official let Fischler know we're going to regard the league as a fifth pro league along the lines of, say, the central pro league. Uh, we don't look at the WHA as our rival. Fischler says that Davidson said that the WHA in its meeting would host representatives from Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, Miami, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and the area in Ohio of Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Alan Eagleson, the Toronto attorney who is executive director of the NHL Players Association, said that he had been notified of the WHA's existence and he was not unhappy about it. Interesting strategy by the Eagle given uh, the events of the coming years and how much in the pocket of the NHL governors the Eagle really was. Eagleson told Fischler, if the new league develops, it has to help the players, and I'm sure the WHA will provoke the NHL into some more movement. Well, the uh, league did have its meeting. Uh, there was a lot to talk about, our special content uh episodes for Patreon subscribers. We'll have all of this leading up to the meeting and afterwards, and we'll be doing those as often as news comes up. But one piece that did come out is two other cities were added to the WHA list, Long Beach, California, and Miami, Florida. The uh, organizers said that the league expected to start in the fall of 1972 with 12 teams not eight. So that is this week's episode, everyone. Our 100th episode is in the books. Got to feel good about it. It's it's nice, uh, all the compliments we've gotten over the, the past couple years, and it keeps us going every week. So what did we learn in episode number 100? Well, lots of cuts in NHL training camps, and there were a few troubling injuries that were starting to crop up as the grind wore on. Uh, we learned that Canucks general manager Bud Poyle might be feeling the heat and that his act could be wearing thin, and he was trying everything in his book of tricks to get the Canucks moving up the National Hockey League's Western Division ladder. But would it work? And we learned that the California Golden Seals are now complaining that they received damaged goods when they acquired goalie Jerry Desjardins from the Blackhawks in that big trade, and they want the National Hockey League to do something about it. Or was this a major goof 
by a rookie general manager simply failing to do his due diligence when negotiating the trade. Here's some of the stories we're working on for next week's show. There will be some news on the Seals-Blackhawks deal as NHL uh, President Campbell takes a look at things as the NHL season draws nearer. We'll have some predictions on how the clubs will finish in the 71-72 season. Save them all and check them next spring. And we'll ask the question, well actually Francis Rosa, the Boston Globe is asking the question, will an NHL player ever score 100 goals in a season? The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole, all 100 episodes and the special content so far. Can't thank Andy enough for all his hard work. Andy uh, produces podcasts professionally, and if you want to, to do something, get a hold of me. I'll put you in contact with Andy, the very popular Juno-nominated Toronto Indie Rock Group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and exit music. My daughter Amy, by the way, is uh, a member of the Rural Alberta Advantage. They put on a great live show if you ever get to see them. And other musical pieces, sound effects, created by Andy Cole as well. Research comes from files from the Toronto Star, Toronto Globe and Mail, and of course all the fine publications found at newspapers.com. You can find us on Twitter at at Hockey50Years, on Facebook under 50 Years Ago in Hockey, Every week here on the Hockey Podcast Network, our WordPress site is Hockey50YearsAgo.com. Thanks again to everyone who tunes into our show. The 71-72 season is going to be uh, very, very interesting for so many reasons. We're going to be with you all the way. And on that note, we will see you next time. When the